Hey, let's give them a hand. I don't know if you realize the commitment it takes to make room in your home three times a month for a semester and then roll into a new semester. And I'm so thankful for the people that have been willing to give up uh, that time so that God can use them. And, and I love it when we sing songs. I wish I got to come out right after that, that song, you know, where it says, I will make room for you and, and, and kind of ask you, are you doing that? Because if you don't make room for God, there are a lot of times, man, he won't use you. And, and I hate to say that because, you know, God loves you, but he's not going to force you to let him use you. And, and if you're too busy with all the things that are really good in your life, and that's most of us, right, then, then you're going to miss out on the very best thing. So we're in a series called The Way, and it's the way of Jesus. It's how the Christianity was described in the first century as a way of life. And we said, hey, it's not just asking Christ to come into your heart, okay? There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, hey, you just ask Jesus to come into your heart. The reality is you place your faith in him, and by grace you're saved, and then you begin to walk in the way of Jesus where you are, where you live, where you work, where you play. You're, you're following Jesus. Jesus did say, come and follow me. And one way you do that is by rhythms, by getting the right rhythms in your life, because if you're not careful, you'll start at this semester, and I got criticized for saying this earlier, but, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, I, I've been watching on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and uh, TikTok and, and whatever else there is, and I'm seeing so many college students, and they're back now, and man, we miss you. We love you. Uh, house church will be salvation to you if you'll find one and join one, because older people love you, will take care of you and feed you. Uh, but the reality is so many college students, I see them starting off with a rhythm that cannot be sustained. Like, I don't know if you've watched like, like all the different things with sororities and fraternities and rush and, and, you know, they're just rolling, man. They're just running. They're just gunning. They're just, just going like wide open. And, you know, they're, they're getting their bids, you know, and everything. And, and they're making signs, you know, with people and their families and their grandmothers. They were, you know, this and that. And, and man, like, it's just crazy. And you want to say to them, hey, hey, there's no way you can sustain that. Like, if you try to continue down this road, you're going to see cracks in your soul and brokenness in your relationships, like, like but worse than you could ever imagine. See, your rhythm determines the quality and direction of your life. Now, now some of you right now, you just need to write that down in your Bible, you know, that, that hey, this, this is the thing about my life, the rhythm of my life determines the quality and direction of my life. And, and if I continue down this road of going and going and going and going and going and going, and occasionally when I have time, I'll drop off the kids at church, and then I'm going and going and going and going and going, you're going to be broken. Your marriage cannot withstand that kind of activity. Your kids cannot hold, her up, hold up under that kind of pressure. And it's like a treadmill that you've kept amping up and amping up, and all of a sudden, you want to slow down, and it kicks you off. It spins you out into brokenness. 
I know that because people end up in my office, okay, and it happens every single week, and I, I can't see everybody, and we refer people, and our other people help them, and, and I'm always asking them about the rhythm of their life. Are you making any time for God to work in your life, and it's the last thing people think about? And so we said, if you want to have a great life, you begin every week in that Sunday by, by saying, I'm going to master the art of showing up. No matter what's going on in life, no matter what my kids are doing, we're going to start the week by having a rhythm of corporate worship because you're going to find that when you're with the people of God, okay, you say, but I saw some people that aren't the people of God. Yeah, there are all kinds of people here. I mean, there are all kinds of people from all different walks and all different colors and all different backgrounds and all different places in their faith. But when you're together, God does something unique. He speaks, okay? And, and, and all of a sudden, you, you, know, all of a sudden you, you, you think you're not listening. And all of a sudden, God says something to you, and, and you, all of a sudden, you're, you're going down the right path. That's the way that works. So you master the art of showing up. But, you know, we're going to be partying, you know, next Saturday night. Well, just, you know, make yourself get up and come in and get a lot of coffee, okay? Kind of help you with that hangover. We get you. We understand sometimes you get out of line, get kind of crazy, get kind of crunk. And so you just come on in because you're going to hear something that's going to help you because we love you no matter where you are. And if you're not careful, you get out of the rhythm, I went to Alaska for two weeks, celebrated my anniversary, got sick, you know, for another week, and then another week, and all of a sudden, I had a new rhythm. Guess what that rhythm was? It wasn't going to church. It was eating, and I figured out now why y'all don't go to church every week. You can sleep in and get up and go eat and beat it, you know, beat every, even the Methodist to lunch. And, and so, you know, you just roll and you live in the dream, and all of a sudden, you got a new routine, and that routine is killing you. You don't even realize it. And so we talked about rhythms last week, and today I want to talk about religion and how you can move from just knowing about God and reading about God and, and, and thinking about God and going to church on occasions and have a relationship with him. And, and, and it's so unique what you're going to learn today. If, if all the messages I've ever preached, if this is one day you would listen closely, and if you get offended, go, hey, he's just, you know, off track a little bit, and stay on with what I'm going to show you about how you can grow spiritually. Because if you grow spiritually, now I want you, you're saying, you're just saying this because you're a preacher. No, I'm not just saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm telling you by experience that if you grow spiritually and if you understand the things I'm talking about, you will have a better marriage and better children and a better workplace. Because when there are people around you that are cray-cray, and a lot of you, you got, you, you got bosses, they're, they're crazy. I mean, they're insane, and you know that. Y'all talk about the water fountain all the time. But, but if you get closer to God, it's amazing what God will do in you and around you and in that person's life to change your whole office. So today we're going to look at a guy named Cornelius, and he was, was not a Jew. If you, you may not know this, but when Christianity first started, it started around Jerusalem, and all the Jews were getting saved. 
I mean, that makes sense. I mean, they're coming from the temple, and, you know, they're in the temple courts, and, and Peter's preaching, and, and the Holy Spirit falls, and they're going, what is this? And, and the Jews started getting saved, but they also wanted to hold on to religion. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how you get saved and you're set free and you're, you're saved through faith by grace and it, it's not of works, but you, you hold on to these things. I got to do this. I got to do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so that's where they were until God begins to reveal to Peter that God is also coming to the Gentiles. And guess who you are? You're Gentiles. Without this guy in the Bible, without this happening, you would not be saved. You would not be in the story of God. God is saying, hey, in the Old Testament, it was the Jews. They were my people. They were my family. But now I am going out to the ends of the earth to say anyone who places their faith in Jesus alone can be saved and written into the story of God. And so Acts chapter 10, I want you to see this because, because it is so powerful and, uh, and, but I've got to read some scripture. And I know for some of you, like you're going, ah, I may just tell me the story. No, I've got to read this, okay, so you can get the whole story because this is a change point. This is a pivot in the story of God and how God uses people just like you. And he especially uses men. Can I just tell you I have a heart for men? I'm not saying I don't like women. I'm just saying, like, I have a heart for men because when men get right, the church gets right. And when the church gets right, the families get right. And when the families get right, the communities get right. And when the communities get right, the states get right. And when the states get right, the nations get right. And when the nations get right, man, everybody's right. So, hey, I'm sorry, that was just a little bonus. Don't put, put some time back on the clock. Okay, Acts chapter 10, <clears throat> beginning verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Now, now Caesarea is on the coast of Israel. If you go look at the map, man, I'd love to go there. If y'all want to send me there for like some kind of holiday. So you're going all the time anyway. But, you know, he's right by Joppa, and it's right there on the beach, and it's beautiful. And, and he's over, he was over 100 men. He's retired. This dude's rolling now. He was in the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, he stared at him in fear and said, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send people to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. It's about a day and a half journey walking. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius immediately called two of his servants, a devout soldier, one of his attendants, and told him everything that had happened. About the same time at noon the next day, this is how good God is. This is why I tell you, God's got you. Like, don't worry about these things out here you can't control. You do what God has called you to do because he's working all around you. While he's doing this and he sends them off, he comes at just the right time to Peter in a different part of the story. It's like they went from, from, from this angle of the story in a movie to this angle real quick to this character, and he's working at the same time. And he says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry, he wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven open, and something like a huge sheet being let down to the earth by the four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds, and the voice said, Peter, get up and eat. He goes, no, I'm not doing that. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The Jews couldn't eat like things that were impure, like barbecue. They couldn't eat barbecue. 
I, I keep telling people that like, you know, that don't eat barbecue, that don't believe in God, you're missing out here and there. My, my brother can't eat barbecue? I mean, really? And so he said, and this happens three times because Peter's into threes. I don't know why they see it. It's like, like God, he says, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord. He does that all the time. You can't say no and Lord in the same sentence, but he does this all the time. And so God has to tell Peter, how many of you like Peter? God has to tell you three times. God has to tell you three times. Yeah, how many, how many of you got kids? You got to tell them three times. Yeah, all of you. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, so he goes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius invites him in, and his whole family's there. In verse 34, he began to speak. And I realize Peter has been with Jesus for three years. He's seen all the miracles. He's heard all the stories, and he confesses something that makes me feel better. So if you've been a Christian your whole life, listen, there's more for you to learn. And if you've got somebody in your life that's a believer, you go, look at them. They're, no, God is still working them. They don't know it all. I mean, I mean, Peter, here's Peter. He goes, he, he began to speak to Cornelius and his family. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Oh, really? You're just not figuring that out? That, that God loves everyone? Oh, you're just figuring that out? How many of you, you've not figured that out yet? That God loves everybody. He doesn't love people that go to your school or live in your neighborhood or, 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 or dress like you dress or like what you like. God loves everybody. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. He starts talking about the gospel, announcing the good news of grace through Jesus, who's the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I'm having to race through this because there's just so much there. But we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. He's just talking about the gospel. But God raised him up on the third day and caused him to be seen. As he's preaching, people start getting saved. I mean, he didn't give an invitation. I mean, it's the thing I love about the Bible. Like when, I, when we're sharing the gospel and people, hey, I don't preach the Bible. That's the only thing we got. We ain't got nothing else. And here's the cool thing, like I'm preaching the gospel and you may be hearing one thing and somebody else is hearing another thing because God knows what you need to hear and he's going right into your heart and telling you the things that you need to know. And Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water because they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. He ordered that they all be baptized in the name of Jesus and they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. And you're like, what does all that mean? Four things. Four things that you need to understand so that you can grow spiritually because God has a plan to use you. Listen to me. We're in the last days. These are the days of desolation, desolution, where things are passing away. And the reality is a lot of people, because they've been so discouraged because of COVID, because they've been so discouraged how things have worked out, they're falling away from the faith. And, and I don't want you to be that person. I don't want you to be in that crowd because God is raising up people, and I am seeing it. I am seeing God do a new work in people, but it has nothing to do with religion. It won't happen through the programs and processes that we've had in the past. We've got to go all the way back to the first century and understand that God was doing and is doing now a great work in your home, in your neighborhood. 
And it begins with an invitation. It's the power of an invitation where you're willing to invite a stranger into your home to hear the gospel. Now, now let me tell you one that's so weird. We, we've held on to the Old Testament concept that God is only visiting us when we go to weekend worship in the big, big rooms. That's an Old Testament concept, okay, where you, you I got to go to the big church. The reason they have these high roofs and they're so ornate is because the theology was God is in here. We need a big room because God's got a big head. You know, God, I mean, he can't get in. If he's a little bitty room, you got to have a big room so that he can get in there. And, and Jesus is saying, no, you need to understand, it's no longer about going to a big room where the temple is because when I died on the cross, that veil was rent from top to bottom where the high priest went in, and now all of you are priests. It's the priesthood of the believer. It's not just me. It's you. He's moving away from the house of God. That term is only used like 80 times in the Bible. Okay? But do you know how many times the, the word household is used? 2,300 times. 43 times in the book of Acts. 11 times in chapter 10 and 11, he talks about the house. You know why? Because the church was born in a house. The very first church, the very, very first house church was 120 people crowded into a small home, and that's where church began. That's where church is supposed to be. You say, well, how do we have this building? So the house churches can come together. They met together in the temple courts and house to house, and they broke bread together. And they took care of each other's needs. They, they worshiped with glad and sincere hearts, and, and, and daily they were added to the church. They, those were being saved. He's got a plan for you. It's not just a part of your life that you do occasionally on the weekend, man. This is who you are. And it's the power of inviting people into your home. You, you say, well, I bet they had big houses in the first century. Let me show you one of them. This is just one. And, and you have to keep in mind, this is about 800 square feet is, is the size of most churches, I mean, most houses in the first century. And and the reality is, man, they were stuffing people in there like they were meeting together. There was no air conditioning. Uh-oh, hello. No air conditioning, okay? No, no, no cell phone usage. Dirt floors. That means there were no lights. And, and they were meeting together, and the church was growing. It, it was exploding, and it's the power of an invitation. Here is God saying, I want you to invite a guy you don't know into your house. Then he sends people to, to Peter, and Peter says, y'all come on into my friend's house and spend the night. I mean, it's crazy. It's the power of an invitation. And you're vulnerable, and it makes you nervous. And I'll just be honest with you. You know, we've, we've done house church now for the last two or three years, and, and it, sometimes it's difficult, but it's the power of an invitation. Let me give an example. How many of your college students raise your hand wherever you are? Yeah, college students, college students, college students. You've been a college student for long. Uh, yeah, anybody else? Yeah. <clears throat> well, let me tell you what happened to the power of an invitation. I was walking across the campus one day, minding my own business, and this girl walked across campus, and I, almost, I promise you my heart stopped. I ain't lying. Like, she walked across the campus, and I went, oh, my goodness. I was talking to a girl that, you know, we were talking about going out to eat dinner or something, and I said, what, what happened? And I kept, then I kept seeing her, you know, at the ba in my basketball practice. I kept thinking, who's she here to see, man? Because she's not after me. I got, I'm driving like a station wagon. 
Like, like I was so poor, I was cutting my own hair. I mean, like, I had a station wagon with wood panels on the side, and, and I knew she wouldn't have, they'd look at me. She could have anybody she wanted. She's about the most beautiful. And so I'm, I'm coming out of the, uh, of the practice in my station wagon, and I saw her with a, with a friend of hers, and, and so I rolled down my window. <clears throat> let, me tell you, let, me, let me explain that. This is a new language. Uh, back there were a long time ago, before cell phones, you had to, what they called, roll down your window. And there was a little handle down here, and I would roll it down like this and pull up by my smoking hot station wagon. And, and I looked at it, and she was eating ice cream, and she hit some ice cream on her nose. And I said, isn't this a great pickup line? Hey, you got something on your nose? And she started laughing. She goes, oh, thank you. She goes, hey, do you want to go study? I go, yes. I do. Horrible, it's a horrible night. Went to study, all these guys were around her. But it's a power and invitation, okay? Like, like she realized, man, I wasn't going to do it. I didn't, have the, I didn't have the guts to do it, okay? And so, so she invites us. So I'm in the library, and all these football players are standing or sitting around her. They, they, she's here, and I'm here. They sit around with their back to me. And I'm thinking, well, she's not my girlfriend, and what am I going to do about it? And so, so I said, hey, I got to go. She goes, I'll go with you. So we go back to her dorm. We get to the dorm, and, and, and you know, I'm going to say goodnight. And she gets up on the steps. She's already tall, and she puts out her hand and says, give me five. So I said, okay. So I went to get her fine. She goes, too late, and went inside. So I'll get down to the dorm room, and all the basketball players are in my room. Bro, what, what happened, man? Did y'all make out? What y'all do? Did you kiss her, man? I said, you're not going to believe this, man. They said, she said, give me five. They said, man, they, she playing you, bro. She is playing you. And so, I said, yeah, I know, man. Next week, I saw her on campus, and I'm thinking, man, you played me. She goes, do you want to go to the Valentine's banquet at the church? I said, yes. <laughs> I do. I love Valentine's banquets and at churches. I love churches. Love everything. I don't remember who was speaking, but I remember looking at her the whole time, and I'm thinking, wow. Wow, God, thank you, God. You're such a good God. And, and 40... <laughs> I'm not playing. 41 years later with 13 in our family and five campuses and an online campus, that invitation changed my life. And I've thought a lot of times about how had she not invited me, I would have never had the courage to invite her. During the last 10 years, and you don't know this, but the last 10 years, we've had some form of, of a growth group, now house church, in our home. And for the last 10 years, we've had over 450 different people in our home. And, and you say, well, I bet your wife doesn't work. You know, you, preachers don't work. I bet your wife don't work either. And work till 5 o'clock, come flying in from Purvis, you know, grabbing, throwing stuff in closets. Don't know I'm not closet, they'll kill you. And, uh, and all these people coming in and, 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 and the relationships that have been built, not, not just in our home, but relationships with regard to other people a, a, as they've gone out of the, those different meetings in our church have been incredible. But, but it started with an invitation, it's the power of an invitation because community requires closeness. This is the thing I can't get across to people in church. Listen, you can't come and sit in a row and get close to God because you're not known. And you can't grow where you're not known. 
You'll do a selfie. You'll do an Instagram. You'll do a TikTok about you going to sit in church with people that you never talked to and go home. That is not spiritual growth. You say, why are you yelling? Because, man, I have promoted this for years. I didn't know. I, th I thought you were supposed to teach people like through programs and, 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 and buy things from Nashville, from, from Lifeway, and get people to go through a little booklet and, and get the right people in the room and make sure you had, you know, the people that had this deal where you know, like people attract like people. I did everything wrong. I didn't know you were supposed to be in spaces with other people unlike you. I didn't know that when you're around people that are different from you, it breaks down barriers. You say, what kind of barriers? Like race? How many of you have been in the home and eaten dinner and prayed with a person of color? Would you raise your hand? You five are amazing. Where else is that going to happen? Where's that going to happen? You break down barriers of different regions. Oh, I'm from Pedal. I'm from the friendly city. I ain't crossing no river to go to Hattiesburg. Oh, I'm in Hattiesburg. I ain't crossing 59 to go to no Oak Grove. Now, that's different with Alabama and Auburn because God loves Alabama. That's different. But you, I'm sorry. I know. Hang on, Mama. I'm going to get... Listen, here's the thing. It breaks down to rank. I mean, I know there's white collar, blue collar, no collar. But where else are you going to know these people? Do you understand what the world has done to separate us? You get on any of your devices. See, some of you have an affair. You know what you're having an affair with? So just let, let that lie there. Some of you are having an affair with social media. Save some of you. A guy's going like, oh, my gosh, they called it. That's what you do in church. So you come to church, and all of a sudden you feel a little pressure. A lot of times people run out of these services. It's not. It's in the wrong direction. And, and, but the reality is, man, those algorithms, they're showing you what you want to see. They're telling you what you want to hear. The enemy has divided us. And Peter says, now I know. God doesn't show favoritism. He said, before I got here, I thought you were unclean. He said, I wouldn't eat with you. I wouldn't talk to you. Man, listen, there's all kind of reasons why, why you say you don't want to be around people other than you, but the reality is the only place, now this is good. You, you listen, this is, is this the camera right here? The only place many of you can go and be around people different from you and have true biblical community is venture. Because you're in control everywhere else you go. That's why you go where you go with regard to your school. That's where you go where you go with regard to your neighborhood. That's why you go where you go where you can be around the people you want to go out with. And the reality is God is calling us to community. Clean and unclean. Black and white. Republican and Democrat. You say, well, I don't have to worry about that. All Republicans are going to heaven. I know a bunch is going to bust it wide open in the other direction. Just trust me. I know a bunch of Republicans. They ain't right. They ain't going to heaven. I know a bunch of Democrats ain't going to heaven. It ain't got nothing to do with you and your faith in Jesus. 
You say, well, why do you keep yelling? Because healing happens in homes. It doesn't happen in church buildings. Run in, drop your kids off, run out. Cornelius called all of his family in, called his relatives, everybody that's kind of close to him so they could hear the gospel. The gospel, they're saved and they're healed and they're, they're brought closer together. We, we were made for community. It's a common unity. That's what community means. It means where you have Jesus and I have Jesus and we draw close together. I have more in common with an African who knows Jesus than a white neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. It's community. And house church is the only element I know where, where you can be in a room. I looked across the room the other day, man, and I see every kind of person imaginable. I'm like, thank you, God, for the beautiful body of Christ, the blend, the rue. The beauty of the church is that God provides within the spiritual family what is at times missing in the biological family. Uh-oh. Do you mean to tell me that, that maybe house church, maybe church is to have people together? Like some people come from broken homes. I mean, they don't have a dad in their home. Maybe they don't have a mom in their home, and they go to a house church. Let me show you one house church. I just want you to see this and get a picture of a house church. Can you imagine being a kid that doesn't have a daddy at home, and you got a daddy leading you with other children? Do you know why we drop our kids off at church and go out to eat dinner? We don't like our kids. We just don't like them. Uh, we put up with them because we got, we got to raise them, right? But I mean, like, if you got a choice, like, to be away from them or be with them, oh, you're going to be with them. Oh, we're going to eat sushi. Hey, hey, hey. Never forget one time we had a guy that came in and, oh, I mean, he was bougie. I mean, it's, a, it's just all fairness. You know, bougie people have a hard time with the cross. You know, it's kind of heavy, bloody, nasty. And he said, hey, man, you know, like, like, you know, everything would be good here if I just had some hot sandwiches on Sunday morning. You know, if we just had some hot sandwiches, man, I think it'd be like, I can't stay here, man, if I don't have any hot sandwiches. I thought in my, I thought in my mind, I'm going to slap you and then pray for your healing. <laughs> I did. I, I thought, you slapping ministry, kind of get their attention, get, you know, get some blood flowing. And, uh, you know, but, but I, I chose not to do that. Uh, I had one guy say, hey, hey, I'd love to come to Venture, but I miss Wednesday night chicken. I mean, how can you go? If we're not going to have chicken, I just, if Jesus, if I, that, I choose chicken. I choose chicken every single day. Do you know what that does to me? People ask what's wrong with me. Y'all, what's wrong with me? Like, I kind of get it together. Then y'all come in with something like that, and it makes me go crazy because I can't whoop you because it's against the law. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> but where I learned, I'm almost done. Thank you. Where I learned that there's healing happening in homes was in the little church I grew up in, little country church. Terrible preaching, terrible Terrible, terrible preaching. The guy would be preaching, and man, I would think, what are you saying? The only thing I remember one time he was preaching, got really fired up, and his teeth came out, and he caught him and put him back in. 
And I was like, that's when I almost got saved. Like, what? That was a miracle. That was a miracle. But, but there, that's a true story. Uh, he dead now. But here's the thing. But there was a family in our church, the Nixons, and, and, um, and they had a son my age, but we weren't close. But they would invite me to their house every Sunday for lunch. And I would sit down at that table, and I'd look at those beautiful bowls of food. And, and I'd watch, like I was starting to, like, I was reaching. And, you know, I was learning, you don't, you know, you got to kind of calm down. You know, like there's plenty. There's an abundance. I didn't know you could get abundance. And, and there, was, there was order, and there was compassion. And, and, and God began to speak to me through, that was 50 years ago. And God began to heal my heart. Saying, Jeff, I got you. This is what's possible for you. You, you, you can relax now. We'd get in the car and we'd get in the back seat. That's back when you could lay up in the back of the thing. There was a time when you could lay in the back. You'd get in the trunk. I mean, like nobody wore seatbelts. You drove 80 miles an hour. I mean, it was amazing. Greatest time of my life. I still do that. And, and uh, I remember they were the Nixons, uh, Freeman and Janelle would sit close together, and my friend would go, oh, that's so embarrassing. I'm thinking, and embarrassing to me. I, <laughs> I, I, I'd like some of that. I think that's awesome. I think I've never, never seen that. Healing began to happen in my heart. Because the first time in my life, I got to see what it could be. Now, every time those little kids come to my house, sit across the table, I think about Freeman and Jane L. Freaking Nixon. It changed my life. Never taught me one Bible verse. But they taught me about the love of Jesus. Listen to me. God has a plan for you. The church is not a cruise ship. Just got off a cruise, man. It's so awesome being on a cruise. Everybody serving you. Serve you, please. I was sitting there, and the guy put, it, like, put his hand in my lap, and it was, it was the napkin. I didn't know. I said, hey, bro, we we're not playing that now. And it took me a while to figure out, man, they were trying to serve me. And uh, it, it, it dawned on me, like, hey, we're more like an aircraft carrier. I had, more, I had more in common with people who worked on that ship than the people who were on the ship to be taken care of. And then about the minute you think feel good about your cruise ship, guess what? You, you come into port and there's a princess cruise ship. It could eat yours. I mean, that's the way it is with church. You go, oh, this is pretty good. No, well, I bet they got better restaurant. Oh, look at that over there. Oh, that's a bigger ship. Oh, let's go over there. Man, you're not on the cruise ship. You, you're, you're part of the crew. I need to quit. Just bow your heads. Ain't no place to quit this one. Just bow your heads and Listen for a second, because I know I'm over, and I understand, and I'll do 10 minutes next time. God's got a plan for you. But if you don't make room for him, he'll use somebody else. 
I have made the mistake my whole ministry of thinking that people that really had the margin and really had the money and really had the time, God would use them. He never uses them. He uses tired, broken down people who say, I'm willing to make room for God to work in my heart. Father, I thank you that, God, you have put amazing people in my life when I needed them. And, God, it wasn't about me memorizing another scripture to get a necklace. It was about me seeing life done, about being loved and cared for. God, teach us that, that, that true healing comes in homes. It, it requires, yes, it's work. Yes, it's tiring, but so is tailgating. So is Zeus. So, so is ladies' auxiliary. So is golfing. So is hunting. God, help us to give ourselves to things that matter eternally. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.